if it's a spirit-filled believer who yeah. creates, writes, or performs the piece, he mm-hmm. promises to inhabit mm-hmm. yeah. that act of worship and that act of, uh, of praise. Welcome to Storia, a show about disruptive storytellers. My name is Fabiano Altamora. And I'm David Neronia. We've got the honor today of introducing Randall Flynn, the amazing Randall Flynn. Randall Flynn is the founder and artistic director of a Dayum dance company, the premier professional modern contemporary dance company, which has served to globally pioneer the cultural integration of the Christian faith and ethos with the art of dance. Randall's calling and mission is to present the virtuous beauty, kindness, and truth of God's kingdom in a creatively excellent and compelling manner, emphasizing the vital need for redemptive truths to be presented through relevant and transformational artistic gifts and offerings. He believes wholeheartedly that the arts and the artists have been summoned to the forefront of the kingdom and witness proclamation for such a time as this. The Adeum Dance Company is a professional modern contemporary dance company which is based in Houston, Texas. It was established back in 2000 and dancers from around the world join Randall in his vision and mission for a dam to create and perform excellent and vital works of dance that serve to wash over the heart and soul of humanity with relevant meaning and redemptive hope. Randall, it's so good to have you on the show. It's great it's to great have you, to Randall. Here, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's a funny Thank story. You. When I first uh, met Randy, I was speaking at a, a conference, the BSM One Day Conference in Houston, and um, we so Lisa Brora, who works for us at Bethel Conservatory of the Arts, um, used to dance with Randall at a dam. And she mentioned to to Randy that we were in Houston. I was there with my wife. And Randy was like, come, come. We want to do a performance for you. And I was like, wow, you have a show on? He goes, no, just we'll put one on for you. So we end up going for this min- this dinner, this beautiful restaurant. And then we we pop by the studio. And Randall literally asked his dancers like 30 minutes before, to come and do like three separate performances for us and we we arrived and there were chocolates at the table and you know flowers and we felt so blessed at the first time meeting you welcomed us so beautifully into your into your area into your house into your studio a little bit of that uh, sicilian hospitality sicilian hospitality was amazing (laughs) exactly that's it so thanks for that randall listen (laughs) i wanted to ask you uh dude like one question that I think is, it's a very profound question. I like, we, we could go in many different okay. directions on it, but like with regards to dance, did, did dance choose you or did you choose it? Wow. I absolutely love that question. So metaphorically speaking, yes, dance chose me. Now I understand so much more so that the giver of the gift of dance chose me. Before I recognized him, he knew me. (laughs) Just like in the book of Jeremiah, even before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I had something ordained for you, a purpose and a plan. Now, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home, so I didn't have that awareness. But uh, just a little bit of my background story. Uh, As we already recognized through my uh, Italian hospitality, There's a half of the side of my life, which is Sicilian, 
The other half is Irish. So there's no there's no firing you at all, huh, Randall? You're not fiery and passionate at at all. all. Not at all. (laughs) Jesus had to save me. That's all there is to it. Wow. Because the choices were mafia or boondock saints. (laughs) (laughs) So I needed redemption, let me tell you. And um, but long story short, uh, I was the youngest of four. And my older brother and sister were also dancers. They did more ballroom standard type dance. And they were on a television program every weekend. They were actually the champions on this television program, kind of like pre-dancing with the stars. But this is back now. I'm dating myself in the 60s. So television was still black and white. Yeah. So the Italian family especially would gather in front of the television set on Saturday mornings to applaud and to go goo goo gaga over my brother and sister. Well, I was only maybe five years old at the time, and I felt so left out because there's like this rule of life. The baby belongs as the attention getter, not the older ones. So I would jump in front of the television and I would mimic what my brother and sister were doing in hopes that I would get the acknowledgement. Mm. And of course, the Italian family would, you know, hey, move, bambino, move. (laughs) So I'd have to get out of the way of the television. (laughs) But um, as a child, one of the things that I recognized was that my dad, of course, now he was Irish, had a very hot temper. And that hot temper could explode at any moment. And when it did explode, to be very vulnerable with you guys, it would become violent. Wow. Um, There was verbal abuse. There was physical abuse. Uh, I grew up in great fear of my dad. And the only sanctuary that I knew, Mm. I called it the monsters that lived in my house. And the only way I knew to escape from those monsters was to go into my room, lock the doors so my dad couldn't come in Mm. and turn on music on this thing called a record player. Uh, (laughs) The young people that are watching, they can Google what that might be. And uh, put on my little 45 RPM records and I would dance away. And in that moment, guys, it was like, Psalm 91, (laughs) he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. It was a sanctuary for my life. The monsters that lived in my house could no longer harm me. And I could enter into a place of shalom, like complete shalom. Fear was gone. Joy would flood my soul. You know, there's a beautiful passage in Psalm 30, verse 11, where David says, the Lord has turned for me my mourning into dancing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that that was God at that point of my life. I didn't recognize it then. But I knew that I knew that I was not in that room alone. So it wasn't just being transfixed by the physical movement or the music. There was a communion that was happening. God was already present in my life, and he was wooing me into his love through the very gift that he had given to me. In other words, he had planted the gift as a part of his wooing into my heart. Randall, 
this sounds like you know if we were if we were if you were in a movie, this sounds like that that ordinary world inciting incident catalytic moment. This this picture of you as a mm. little boy finding sanctuary in your room, escaping you know the the, the troubles and the tensions of your home. Uh, fast forward for me, did yep. you did you go and study dance? What what was the next mm-hmm. big moment in your dance journey? Okay, so again. Um, I was born in 1957, so I'm dating myself here. Uh, I will soon turn 65 years old. Wow, you look amazing. And, yeah. uh, uh, thank you, Jesus. So back in the day, uh, if you were a Texas boy, and I was, coming from an Irish and Italian home, um, you, didn't, you didn't choose dance as a profession and especially classic forms of dance. So ballet, modern jazz. Um, And I knew that my dad would not quickly embrace or embrace it all, that I had a passion to enter into the study of dance, dance education. And so um, my elementary school years, they were okay. Uh, you know, the demons still lived in my house and I still ran from them into the retreat of my room. But I started asking uh, fellow students if I could teach them how to dance. Hmm. I would charge them 10 cents, uh, a financial wizard, even in the day. Yeah. And they would come over to my home. I made sure my dad wasn't around and I would give them dance lessons. And uh, then I got into junior high school. And in junior high, I felt so fearful and intimidated because I entered into a world where to be recognized, again, Texas culture, if you were a man, you were either a athlete or a cowboy. And I was neither. Man, I loved beauty. I loved the arts. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved music and dance. But then you were pigeonholed at that time. And you were kind of labeled, oh, well, then you're not a guy's guy because you like things that are beautiful. And, you know, I like to write stories. I love to write poems. I was extremely creative. But being creative and being a man or a young boy in Texas did not go hand in hand. Randall, so yeah, this, this, is, was ex- yeah, this is an, a really interesting topic because I'm wondering if you it's funny because this really resonates for me as well. So I, I'm not Italian, mm. but I play one on TV. No, I'm, I'm, I'm actually full-blooded <laughs> Cuban, but I have, you know, the patriarch of my family was my, my grandfather, whose name ironically was Fidel, mm. even though he escaped Cuba mm-hmm. from Fidel. Wow. And uh, mm. I remember actually Randall having a very similar conversation with my, my grandfather. And I know that culture right now is engaging in a pretty complicated conversation around uh, sexuality and gender and so on and so forth. And I think it's so important to park on what you're talking about for a moment, because I remember when my Mm. grandfather first found out that I wanted to be an actor, not even a dancer. And I think you know what I mean by not even a dancer, because I think dance would have been viewed even, right, uh, even differently than acting. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But his concern was that that was going to confuse my sexuality. Now, for context, back in the day, Yes. I, I, I was born in the 70s, but I remember that I, I couldn't even cross my legs 
a certain way without my grandfather, you know, getting worried yep. that somehow this was going to have an impact on my sexuality. For you in your home, I, I know that you grew up mm. uh, in fab in a, in a home with your father who was a creative, was, mm. was, was the idea of gender or sexuality and you being an artist, even a topic of conversation? No, it wasn't. It wasn't in any way, shape or form. Like, like wow. similar to yourself, like I, I, um, my parents love my parents love beauty. Both my parents were Italian. So when I said I wanted mm. to become a dancer and stuff, they were like, great. You know what I mean? It's like, I said I wanted to wow. be an actor, but then yeah. they were, they were fully supportive of me being a dancer. Well, and I think, you know, Randall, uh, uh we're going to continue in your story here, but this, you know, this idea that, um, you know, as we figure out or as we have this conversation with culture around sexuality, I think it's important to, to talk to men out there and say, Hey, if, if you appreciate beauty, if you find that you're a sensitive soul, hmm. this, this does, is not contradictory with masculinity. I mean, there, there, there is a, a definite exactly. biblical definition of masculinity at the same time. It's okay to weep, to cry, to worship, to dance, to be a creative, to, mm -hmm. to be an appreciator mm -hmm. of beauty. Randall, how did you, given the culture and the time that you grew up in, how did you have to negotiate that? And how did you resolve the love of beauty and, and your God-given mm -hmm. sensitivity? Wow, that's a great question. So originally at the time, it was more to try to hide that side of my life. Right. And put on the mask and fit in with what you thought was the norm of culture. Um, and kind of the, the big shift for me was in junior high school. It was the first time that I knew that a school would have a dance for the students where they would hire a band and uh, the students would get to come and dance for two hours or so. And I heard that there was this junior high school dance and I went into the gym where the musicians were and uh, saw people dancing. And I thought, okay, well, this is what I can do. This is what I do well. And I started to dance and people stopped huh. dead in their tracks. It was like <laughs> the Red Sea parted, man. And people started clapping. And then the the girls would come to me and go, dance with me, dance with me. Wow. And I felt finally like my life had significance. Like I could come out of hiding. There's that beautiful mm. song, come out of hiding, you're safe here with me. Yeah. And I felt finally like, yes, I can come out of hiding I can show that I have a gift as well. And, um, but what happened is that recognition, because I didn't know the Lord, that recognition also tainted something in my emotional mm -hmm. being where I thought, well, now I have this identity mm -hmm. that completes me and it's my superpower, uh, and I don't have to fear the kryptonite anymore. So this is going to be my superpower. And that went on all throughout high school. Mm -hmm. Then during that time, the last year of junior high is when I got bold enough to go in for classical dance training. Uh, because before I was scared to death to think, oh my gosh, I have to put on a pair of tights and white ballet shoes and uh, like my dad will kill me. But by the time I was in high school, I didn't care anymore. Um, so kind of that rebellious nature in a sense. Um, 
But then my dancing at that point, if you're familiar with the characters in the comic strip Peanuts, I became the Linus character. Mm. My blankie, my security, my identity Mm. was my dance. I was the dancer. And that took precedence over anything else that I was on the inside. But the thing with that, it becomes almost like an addictive drug. Yeah. So if you're applauded, so say I would be in a performance and I would get a good review. Well, then I felt like my life had meaning. But the next day when there's no audience and I'm there alone, you know, the stage is bare, so to speak, then I have to come to grips with who am I on the inside. Yeah, that's and amazing. I didn't have an answer for that. And it scared me. I, I think that's so profound what you bring up, Randy, because like, you know, the adage goes, you're only as good as your last job or, you know, and I, I think what you said, we sometimes get so wrapped up in our, that our art becomes who we are, right? We get so mm-hmm. wrapped up in the identity of our job. And I think, you know, at, at the conservatory, we, we talk about performing from our identity, not for it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times mm-hmm. we find our worth in what we do, but What I want to ask you is like, you know, what I found on this journey was when I found out who I was, my art was an expression of my identity. So I say that Mm. acting is one of my, I am. So I am an actor because it's an an expression of the the gift God gave me. When did you reconcile the fact that you weren't defined by being a dancer, but when you found your identity in Christ, your dance was a direct expression of who God had called you to be. Exactly. Yep. So for me, that happened in the year 1981, um, where a friend, a Japanese friend, Japanese American, uh, invited me to attend a church service with him. Hmm. And it had been years uh, since I had stepped into a church facility. And he took me into a charismatic church and i didn't know <laughs> what that was oh that's this is dangerous uh, this story's taking a dangerous know, turn d- d- dangerous ground dangerous ground everyone was happy whoa <laughs> very happy supernatural they were happy, they were happy to see me <laughs> and i was everybody's brother and i thought well that's kind of cool <laughs> wow. but long story short they showed a film uh, a movie in the church that day and i thought okay this is weird Because as a child, you know, my mother, Sicilian, I went to Catholic church, uh, but I stopped going by the time I was 12. And never in a Catholic church, especially back in the day, would you see a movie during the mass? Like, (laughs) come on. Randy, I got a... I I thought, okay, what's going... I got got a funny... No, so funny Catholic story. I remember... uh, So I remember actually going to mass with my Cuban grandmother when it was still in Latin. So you can imagine... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. So it was yep. Yep. Yeah. mass was in Latin as well for us. But this yeah, is exactly. this is what I remember. Not only were there not movies shown, so I'm like I'm probably like six or seven, and I'm sitting there in mass. They're talking a language that kind of sounds like Spanish, but it's not. It's not yes. Spanish. And I remember that there were these kind of chandeliers in, in in the cathedral in Miami, and and I was I was pretending with like a finger gun to shoot the lights, and you would have thought it was the most heretical act in the world. My Cuban grandmother smacked. <laughs> she says, you never shoot a gun in church. And I'm thinking in my head, you, you know, it's just my finger, right? 
So you're sitting there. So you so as a Catholic, there's there's obviously a huge leap into a charismatic church, and and we'll talk more about that. So there you are, and they show this movie. What what is this movie, Randall? And what did it what did it do for you? Okay, what, why was this so a seminal moment? Here's the interesting thing. So I see the movie title come on, and it says that the the movie is produced by the Billy Graham Association. Wow. Well, I had no idea who Billy Graham was. Sure. Billy Graham wasn't Martha Graham. And so <laughs> oh, I no. knew Martha Graham. I didn't know Billy Graham. And so I'm thinking, hey, what kind of movie will, will this be? And mm-hmm. I saw the title come on the screen and it said J-O-N-I. And I'm thinking, Joni? Like what? <laughs> What's Joni? Uh, I was expecting no. Star Wars. It was 1981. Well, it's the movie about Johnny Erickson Tata, if you guys know who she is. Mm. She has an incredible ministry called uh, Johnny and Friends. Um, so the movie is the redemptive story of her life. At the age, I think she was maybe 19, maybe even a little bit younger. She dove into a body of water, hit her head against the rock, immediately paralyzed. Wow. And yet she knew God and God, more so God knew her. And the movie spoke about her, her wrestling with God. I didn't know that you were allowed to wrestle oh. with God because in my household, the father figure, you could never wrestle. You could never question. He was the authoritarian. And I feared that. Yeah. And, and a part of that upbringing for me was you fear the authoritarian representative and so that's what I believed about God as well. Mm, sure. God is like my physical dad. So I don't want to approach this God because that God is not approachable. But in the film, I saw that this woman would approach who she called Abba, mm. her father. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Like, okay, I can understand maybe saying God, but this lady keeps calling God father. And that was not a good association for me. Mm. But I saw the, how would I say, the freedom and the the compelling heart that she in connecting with God like that. And I realized I didn't know that that was possible. And I never really understood that God was father. And I knew that deep inside my heart, that's exactly what I was searching for. And I was trying to compensate that even through my dance performances. I was looking for the love of a father. And guys, and you'll, you'll, you'll totally get this because you're both artists and actors. And, but it was through the movie mm-hmm. that the transcendent presence of the Holy Spirit came right next to my side and began to open my eyes like the blinders, like Paul. The blinders were taken off. I saw the love of the heavenly father. I understood the grace of what Jesus did upon the cross. There was no four spiritual laws presented to me. There was no strong Texas preaching of the gospel or hellfire and brimstone. It was seeing the heart of the true Abba, the heart of the true father that melted mine in that day. August 1981, I said, Jesus, I'm yours, man. I'm yours. But what are you going to do with me? Lord, I'm a broken man. I'm a dancer. What are you going to do? And God had a plan, my brothers. <laughs> hey, 
Randall, you know, you bring up a really important point, something that Fab and I go after, um, because it's it's something that isn't often talked about in, in church. I mean, I think everybody can recognize that media and movies and, and film and stories are, are powerful. I mean, maybe now more than ever, I think the church is recognizing that. But back in the day, I mean, how, how cutting edge to present that particular film. But the principle that gets, uh, you know, that I'm reminded of, Randall, as you as you share your story is, that the Lord in his word says that he He promises to inhabit our praises. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea that I think we, we often mm. think of in terms of a song, but I think about that movie. You know, I, I, I went to Billy Graham's museum when I was in North Carolina and it was a, a, just a transcendent experience. If you've never visited, I highly encourage everybody to go because it's actually on the land where Billy Graham was, was born. And when you walk in, the the front of the building when you walk into the museum is actually a glass cross. So when you enter Billy Graham's museum, wow. you walk in at the foot of the cross and then you go through this interactive mm. museum, which uses story, the story of Billy Graham's life. And here's the trip. As you walk through the museum and you're, and you're walking through his life, he's actually evangelizing wow. to you. And in the end, he kind of closes the deal, uh, so to speak. But I think about that film and I think about what we teach our students at the mm-hmm. conservatory, that these things that we make, whether it's a dance piece, whether it's a short film, whether it's a monologue, mm-hmm. it's this idea that Holy Spirit, if it's a spirit-filled believer who yeah. creates, writes, or performs the piece, yeah. he mm-hmm. promises to inhabit yeah. that yeah. act of worship and that act of uh, of praise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Randy, mm. it's so funny. I, I saw wow. Billy Graham in the flesh when I was 80, in 1984. Wow. I went to a Billy Graham rally. And when I got saved, that was one of the first movies I ever watched. Oh, wow. So funny how transformative wow. it was. And I got saved in like nine, 1990, 1991. So I know what you're saying. It was a very powerful okay. movie. I What yeah. I'm interested in is yes. in the encounter, mm. how did that affect mm-hmm. the way you created after that? Yes. Oh gosh. Okay. So I will tell you this. Um, so about two weeks after that encounter with Jesus, um, I felt deep inside my heart that it was like the Lord met me at the burning bush and mm-hmm. kind of like when he said to Moses, Moses, what is that in your hand? And Moses and the emphasis is on Moses's word when he said, it is my staff. It's what I hold. It's a part of my identity. And God says, Moses, lay it down. And of course, the story is incredible because Moses throws it down. It becomes a serpent. Moses runs from it. And God goes, no, pick it up by its tail. And as a Texas boy, I know you do not pick up the serpent (laughs) by its tail. But he did. And it turned back into the staff. And then there was a re-emphasis. God says, now this is my staff. Wow. <laughs> Not just your staff, Moses, but it's my staff. Now go into the culture. Now go to Pharaoh. And this staff will be a sign that my glory is with you. And I felt like God arrested me at that burning bush and said, son, you got to throw down the false identity to pick up the genuine one of my kingdom. So guys, two weeks later, I go to the church. I find out that there's actually people at the end of a service uh, that are the the altar prayer gurus, basically. Yeah. And you can go up for prayer. And I thought, great, I'm going to go up for prayer. 
And I want to commit this mm. gift mm. to the work of God. I, I want to surrender. So I went up, I explained to the prayer counselor, I had been a believer for two weeks and he was an older gentleman. I was in my twenties and he said, young man, this is amazing that you want to pray a prayer like this. And he said, look, I want to pray really specifically. So what talent has God mm. given you that you want to surrender to him for the glorification of his kingdom? And I said, well, sir, I'm a professional dancer. Mm. And he said, you're a what? <laughs> and I said, I'm a professional dancer. And he said, explain that to me. Mm. And I said, well, I've studied ballet, modern dance, jazz right now. I'm a professional jazz dancer. I'm doing musical theater, uh, shows like Chorus Line. Wow. And he said, he got really quiet and he looked a little bit stern. Mm. And he said, I tell you what, we are going to pray. <laughs> But we're going to ask the Lord what else it is oh. he might have for you. Oh, oh guys, my oh, heart man. sank. Like, yeah, like Fabian is biting his fist. <laughs> I want to punch people like that, dude. I'm so sorry, Ryan. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh. Can I just say <laughs> one okay. thing? Yeah. Like, listen, <laughs> listen, pastors out there, when somebody comes to you and says something like that, I implore you mm -hmm. to not say mm -hmm. what that pastor said to Randall. So many creators feel mm -hmm. ostracized in the church because of that very reason. Now, I'm not judging that pastor. He mm -hmm. only knows what he mm -hmm. knows. Right. Yes, but you exactly. cannot approach a creative heart like that. Just say, I don't know. I'll point you in the right direction, but don't presume to know all the answers. Randy, I'm so sorry you went through that. I know it, there's a beautiful silver uh, thanks, lining man. to the story, but dang, there is, man. There is a silver lining. Randall, there's yeah. there's a couple of yeah. points that yeah. you brought up. I want to I wanna roll back a sec because you bring up a couple of really, sure. um, I think, important kingdom biblical principles in your story that I think are important for artists to hear. You know, I want, I want you guys to notice that, uh, first of all, he recognized his call. He actually had a moment of recognition mm -hmm. that he was called. It wasn't just a talent. Mm -hmm. You know, we often throw that this 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 word around, and it is. It's a gift. It's a talent. It's fine fine language to use about it. But what I want you to recognize yeah. is that the gifts and the callings of the Lord are irrevocable. But who we lease them yes. to, and who we who we lend them to, um, that now that part is is up mm -hmm. to us. But first of all, he had a moment of recognition. Secondly, this is another important, I think, kingdom principle. The fact that you had the the foresight or the the, the awareness to do this is you recognize that you there's you know because I know in your story and in my story it's the same thing. There's there's often a laying down of the thing. Yes. And in the laying down of it, then you pick it up in the name of the Lord. And then there was this other principle, this principle of consecrating it and taking it to the mm. Lord. And it's in that moment then that mm. he can partner with you fully in the thing that he's yeah. designed you uh, uh, to be. You know, listen, yes. Randall, I think I think what you're touching on, which is super important and, and Fab, I want to echo what you've said is I think we have to redefine the way that we think about ministry just in Yes. It, it, comprehensively and laying the thing down like the thing is god gave you that beautiful gift right then the church mm. told you to lay it down 
or we come to the church thinking mm. that God has asked you to lay down the very gift he's given you, then why give you the flipping gift? Well, no, because he designed you to do it. So how he can did. he lay, mm. he'd be mm. asking wow. you to wow. lay down your mm. design. Exactly. You know, I'm reminded of, and then yeah. Randall, I want to hear about, uh, you know, some of the highs and the lows of, of you as a dancer sure. once, you know, and I want to sure. hear how you ultimately yeah. cross this bridge into understanding that it's mm. ministry. But I'm reminded of something Bill, uh, Bill Johnson said uh, to our artists and there were some of them that were going to to China on a ministry on a creative yeah, ministry yeah. trip right and yeah. i remember bill looking at our students and saying there are places that you will go that i'll never be allowed yep. to go yes Yes. And here's one of the most powerful, powerful pastors and preachers and teachers. I mean, you, you know, you think of Bill and you think, yeah. you know, Amen. the man's got a passport. He can go wherever he wants. But he had the humility and the recognition as a pastor, yeah. okay, to recognize mm-hmm. that there are places he won't be allowed to go. But artists actually have been given keys that yeah. pastors, and this is mm-hmm. where I think if pastors can recognize that if really the goal is not to look like one another. But to recognize yeah. that if we actually want to reach people, we better have more creative ways than just a building yeah. on a Sunday. So, mm-hmm. Randall, let me ask you. Mm-hmm. So you have this painful moment. Exactly. Talk to yeah. me about, is there a turn in the story? Mm-hmm. Is there a moment? Yeah, take yeah. me there. Oh, is there ever, man? So with the pain, I went home that afternoon. And of course, I'm a new believer. It's two whole weeks. And, uh, you know, I had never picked up a Bible in my life before those two weeks. Wow. And so I decided I was going to pick up my Bible. This is before the internet. And I thought, I just want to see if for any reason, the word dance oh, is wow. in this holy book. Wow. So, but I didn't know where to start, man. <laughs> like I didn't know Genesis from Revelation. So yeah, uh, I found out that there was an index in the back of the King. I had a King James Bible. It yes, you gigantic, did. Texas size. That's the legal, that's the legal Texas. The index. <laughs> The legal Texas Hello. translation. Hello. Yes. So I looked up the word dance in the index at the back of the Bible, and it had these scripture references that you could go and find. But of course, I didn't know the Bible. So it took me forever <laughs> to find. <laughs> so it was so funny. So the first scripture reference, and when I made the discovery, this is the story. You're ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> so. Herodias's daughter dances for Herod. Oh my God. And pleases Herod. <laughs> and John the Baptist gets his head cut off. Oh, perfect. And I thought, well, Lord. no wonder this guy told me <laughs> that I should pray and ask God to lead me in another direction. I think that's God's sense. Of, I think that's God's sense of humor. I think he's a funny, I think he's a, he's a the, joyful All the enemy's way of trying to tell you, no, don't, don't enter into oh, your, exactly. uh, you know, good Lord. But then I went to the other verses. Mm. So the story gets better. I went to the other verses. I found the book of Psalms mm. and, there you, go. you know, Psalm 150 verse four, Psalm 149, three, praise his name with the dance. Come on. And then Psalm 30, 11, the Lord has turned for me my mourning into dancing. Jeremiah 31, again, I will build you and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel, and you will go forth in the dances of those that rejoice. 31 verse 14, then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and old men together, for I will turn their mourning into joy, I will comfort them and they will rejoice from all of their sorrows. Ecclesiastes, a time to mourn, 
a time to dance. And what really struck me mm-hmm. is that when I recognized that, especially like the book of Jeremiah, that Jeremiah is a prophet. He's prophesying during a time of both captivity, but also God's future promise of restoration. And these are the restoration passages. Mm -hmm. And he's speaking the oracles of God, but the oracles of God are so creative. And God says through his prophet, look, I know you're broken right now. You're going to dance again, people. Come on. Like a, a song shall be heard in the city of Judah and in the streets, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride. You're going to be a dancing people. So the opposite of being a captive people and hanging your harps up on the willow trees is when God brings you back into Zion, <laughs> he restores you as a priest of the Lord. Because, you know, artist is a cool term. I love that term. Don't get me wrong. It looks really good on a business card. Yeah. But or on a hoodie. truly, we are creative. We're creative priests. We are creative Levites onto the Lord. And we have these various skill sets as those priests. And God restores his priesthood. Jeremiah's letter in chapter 31 and chapter 29, where he says that, um, the plans, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you. That letter is also purposely written to the craftsmen as well. Yeah. I'm going to restore you. And that's exactly what the Lord in his word set my heart free. And the damage of the past, the the cursings, God healed those through the medicine of his word in my life. That's amazing. I love what you said as well when right back at the top when <laughs> you know you would lock yourself in your bedroom and you would in effect get healed through dance. It felt like dance yeah. was a form of intercession for you before you even knew yes. it, right? And that mm-hmm. dance yes. was like a prophetic yes. act through the word of healing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so through mm-hmm. your art form when you aligned it with who you were in him it became an expression of healing to you and obviously now to others through your expression, yes. through the company and, and through, mm-hmm. you know, just your own personal ministry to him. You know, yes. that's, I just, I, I'm just getting blown away. I'm like trying Me not too. to manifest at the <laughs> table. Um, <laughs> Randall, kind of like in concluding and stuff, Sure. what would, what would you say? No, I want to go back. Actually, I'm going to ask the question that you would ask. Yeah. Um, if you were okay. talking to your younger self, what yeah. advice would you give? Because you've had such a wealth of experience in these 65 years, mm-hmm. you know, got the calling pre-salvation and then yeah. you get the calling and then all of a sudden it's challenged and then gets healed, and now you are where you are today. Yes. So what advice would you give to somebody, or what advice would you give to your younger self? Wow. Wow. I, I think I would speak to the younger self a proverb, Proverbs mm. chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Mm. Don't lean to your understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. And, mm. you know, as a young man, I wasn't encouraged to look to Christ, to look to the creator who gives the creative gift, the the power of God to create something out of nothing 
and mm. to realize we are his poema. We're his workmanship yeah. and we have been created for good works that he's ordained from the foundation of the world that we would walk into that calling that God has already prepared. Faithful is he who calls you, who will also fulfill it and do it. Mm-hmm. And communing with him, placing the trust of my heart, that's what I would speak to that young boy and that God is for you. He's not against you. Because I really felt like God was against me. My earthly dad was against me. God must be against me. And to realize God is not against his creation. The simplicity and the profoundness of John 16 or John 316, God so loved the world that he gave his son. And that redemption is for the spirit, soul, and body. And thank God for Paul's theology, which is the theology of the body. Do you not know that your very physical shrine is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You've been bought with the price. You're not your own. Therefore, glorify God. And that word actually means body. Oh, I love Glorify that. Glorify God with your body. Randall, I got to I got to ask you a question just in our few remaining moments here and I, it's going to sound like a Surely. really basic one, but I I I would love to hear your definition okay, of it, which is what is dance? Ah, mm. uh, that's that's an awesome question. Dance is one of the good and perfect gifts of God. The book of James, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Dance is a good and perfect gift, but dance is also an endowment. The way that God has fashioned and formed us as the master artist potter, he's given us this ability to express ourselves in our first language. You might think that your first language was a bunch of baby babble. <laughs> your first language is not. It's not a verbal language. It is a physical wow. movement language that you communicate with. And that is the original language. That's also, I believe, the language of the Holy Spirit. Mm. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the chaos, bringing it into cosmos. We've been given a physical language, which is a language of our communion, our creative communion with our creator. To me, that is the foremost understanding of dance. It's for communion with our creator. And through that communion, we express another directive of that communion as we, as we incarnate that communion and we flesh it out in our creative offerings to the world, that which is good, true. And beautiful. That's you know, we bonkers. see this on any given Sunday at Bethel. You know, there's there's something that that the preaching and the teaching of the word releases uniquely. There's something that Bethel music and the worship mm. band through music and melody and instruments uniquely releases. But then there's we have our dancers. Mm-hmm. And there's something uniquely, mm-hmm. you know, your wife's a dancer, my wife's a dancer, Claire, my wife's yeah. a, a more like in the Broadway uh, realm, but Claire has always had a heart as a, yeah. uh, as a classical contemporary dancer. Uh, also mm-hmm. Lisa Brura, who heads up our Bethel Conservatory yep, exactly. of the Arts uh, dance program. They, they are intercessory worship. Yeah. And there's something that happens that dancers can release that none of the other uh, gifts can release. What do you think dance can uniquely release within the body of Christ? I think dance is one of the most liberating gifts. And it 
it releases a liberty of captivity. You know, I don't want to go into this whole theological thing, but Mm -hmm. one of the marginalized areas of evangelical Christianity is a very um, limited view of the body Mm, and the redemptive aspects of the body in Christ. There's a lot of Gnosticism. Everybody can Google that word, dualism, that still presents itself even in the evangelical church. Right. And it's it's this idea that the material... That, that the material and the body are bad and evil. Randall, do you do exactly. you see dance within the body and what you're doing with Adeum? Do you see it as breaking off shame off the human oh, body? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Because again, if, if our theology is misconstrued, mm. if there's not a wholeness of spirit, soul, and body within the redemptive work of Jesus, then... There will be this aspect of shame as far as our physical being is concerned. You know, I find it interesting that when Jesus brought Lazarus back to life, mm-hmm. he brought Lazarus back to life in his physical form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lazarus wasn't invisible. <laughs> he wasn't just a spirit. And so we have to understand that this physical frame is also the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But there's been so much shaming through kind of a, how would I say, I, 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 I want to be cautious here, but <laughs> kind it. of an extreme Puritan concept, yeah. even within Protestant theolo- uh, uh, theology, we have to break that shame. Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember being in Germany back in the 80s, working with Youth with a Mission, teaching worship dance workshops. And these German men would weep like babies. And they would say, we have been taught from our fathers that a man should never express his emotions. And we have stuffed them deep inside. Thank you for coming and calling out this part of our life that has felt imprisoned Mm -hmm. and allowing it to be free, to be touched by God. You became a portal that kind of like the the creation painting where the finger of God could touch the finger of man and bring wholeness. Randall, you're an yeah. apostle. I, yeah. I, I I honestly feel like I'm supposed to tell you that oh, man, thank you, you. you carry an apostolic gift. You're building, you're pulling down from heaven a new, a new blueprint for for the human body for dance for this ex- this god-given expression yeah and i'm just i'm just so blown away randall you know it's like sometimes you think you know as artists we're unicorns you know we're out on a limb we don't we don't mm-hmm. nobody understands yeah. us and now we're found finding with a message that we've been you know in effect nurturing all our life but really mm-hmm. only had language for the last seven or eight years mm-hmm. That yes, there are other yes, people exactly. like us. And like, I just want to thank you for being so vulnerable and, and, and sharing your story with us, Randall. I really no, do. And I, I just want to say for anybody out there that is an artist that feels they're a unicorn, it's a lie. I mean, listen to mm, Dave. Mm. You'll hear David's story on another episode, but Randall's story. God has given you that gift not to tease you. He's given that gift mm. to you because he wants you to use it. And he wants you to be the face of God through your art form to the world, right? When we come mm. to Christ and we we give our art to him, sometimes we lay it down in fear because we feel that nobody understands mm-hmm. us. But I think there's a different way. And the different way is this. 
What if he's asking you to re-pick it up again, but to actually play mm. with him? Mm-hmm. When he gives you this gift yes. of dance, singing, creating, whatever it is, it's a sandbox for you to play in and explore what it's like to worship him through your craft. Mm. And it doesn't have to be in the four walls of the church. It can be, mm. but it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. limited to yeah. that. And I want to say you can do mm-hmm. it in a healthy way, just as as Randall has been mm-hmm. coaching us through his journey, you can do the same. So I want to release you and mm-hmm. give you permission to dream into your creative dreams. And if you feel called to to dancing, mm-hmm. I, I want you to check out Adam's website. Yep. They're in Houston. They've been around for over 20 years. They've traveled the world. They've had they, they've collaborated with some of the best companies in the world. Dancers from around the world go. We, we do see and believe that God is calling uh, his creative missionaries um, uh, back mm-hmm back yes. together. He's welcoming those. And and I, I want to echo what Fab and Randall are saying. You're not alone. You're not crazy. Mm. It's the voice of God. Mm. Yes. It's a gift from God. Randall, thank you so much for your, your vulnerability. Uh, it, it's um, my pleasure. And I just want to thank you gentlemen for what you're doing at Bethel and with Bethel Conservatory of the Arts. I had the honor of being at Bethel several years ago, teaching for a dance intensive that was happening there. A precious woman named Ann Mack brought Mm -hmm. me in. And a prophecy came to me at Bethel. And it has remained with me all of these years. And the word of the Lord was this. God has designed you as a unique vessel, as a unique ship. And your ship will be able to go into ports and to dock and to move in and out because of uniqueness where other vessels, even though those vessels belong to the fleet of the Lord, would not be able to go. They would not be accepted into that dock. But because of the uniqueness in the world that we live in for such a time as this, it will be beauty that will enhance and enchant the world for the purposes of recognizing the kingdom of God. So artist, you have a calling. You have a mission. God is with you. He's not against you. And I'm just thankful for places like Bethel that understand the vital significance of affirming and releasing artists into their destinies that Christ has given them life for. Thank you, Randall. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate that. So honored to have you on. Thank you, John. God bless you. Guys, thanks for joining us on Storia. Uh, We can't wait to see you again. So many exciting episodes coming from people inside, outside of the church. And if you feel called to the arts, we encourage you to uh, subscribe to Bethel TV and also to check out Bethel Conservatory of the Arts. We'll see you soon.